This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. From nj.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. We're calling it an emergency edition, but it's really just uh, regularly scheduled. A little earlier because of the big news today, Rutgers has a quarterback from the transfer portal. We've got a little, uh, going to try this one, Taliak Mania. Fonseca came up with that. I'm stealing it. Only he's pronouncing it. How would you like to pronounce Kaliak Mania, Brian? Go ahead. So I'm not Greek, but if I was, I think it would be Kaliak Mania. Oh, man, you sound Greek. That's I'll good. Chris Sikonis. I've had a gyro Kaliak recently, so maybe Kaliak Mania, pass the chicken, what's it called? The Slovaka, Slovaki? Soziki sauce. The Soziki sauce. This is great. All right. Ethan Kaliak Manis, new quarterback out of the transfer portal, Minnesota. All right. Let's just assume that people do not know who this new player is. Can one of you guys just give me the the quick synopsis? What do we know about him? Uh, What can we expect from him? And maybe... more importantly, why is he here from his perspective? He's uh, got a couple of ties to Kirk Shiraka. Obviously, he, the Rutgers offensive coordinator, coached him for a year at Minnesota, recruited him. So that's obviously the glaring connection there. But also beyond that, he has ties to New Jersey. His dad is from uh, Central Jersey, uh, was a great high school athlete at Cedar Ridge, which is Old Bridge now. Um and his dad also wrestled at Seton Hall. So you get an early shout out on the podcast for wrestling. There you go. But from his perspective, I think his time in Minnesota was just up. He was looking for an opportunity to compete. And this is just a, a an opportunity for that. So he'll get that opportunity to compete with Gavin Wimson in spring. And we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, it looks like he's uh, there's a lot of confusion about whether or not he'd be an upgrade over Gavin Wimson. I mean, I've now had a chance to watch a little bit of him, and I think the answer to that is yes. Like, I think if you look into it from a pure passing perspective, Brian, that he is a more accurate passer with a higher off upside and put into the right system, he'd, he'd be he'll be quite good. I think the best system for him too is the one with Shiraka because that was his best year. So far, he had three offensive coordinators in three years at Minnesota. Sounds very familiar for people around these parts, yeah. uh, which, by the way, are we calling them the uh, Rutgers Golden Knights or are we calling them the Rutgers Scarlet Gophers? Because this entire roster is going to be made and coaching staff is going to be made of former Minnesota people. Pretty soon, PJ Flex is going to be out there coaching the wide receivers. Just just don't be surprised when that happens. But anyway, his best year was under Shiraka, and uh, I think he... I haven't spoke to, spoken to him yet. I'm hoping to speak to him at some point soon. Is that 
that connection, he's hopeful that he can rekindle that and return to the form he had at the end of the 2022 season, which I watched a lot of his games from that year to kind of get a, a glimpse of what it would look like. He had his best career game against Wisconsin, huge rivalry game on the road, threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, looked awesome doing it. Uh, had a great game in the pinstripe bowl against Syracuse until he had a lower leg injury to take him out. But he just really got better and better as he played under Shraka. Uh, he did have some weapons. He had the Big Ten's leading rusher and Muhammad Abraham. He had a great tight end, which we'll get into later when we talk about transfer portal targets Rutgers needs to attack. He had some really good wide receivers, uh, which maybe they hope Damir Miller will be like that. All that combined, I think that that version of Kyle McManus is easily better than Gavin Wimsett. I know we talk about increased accuracy Everybody in college football is more accurate than Gavin Wimsett. Among quarterbacks with at least 125 dropbacks, Gavin Wimsett was the had the lowest completion rate. Kalik Mattis had the 13th lowest. If you go to adjusted, which accounts for drops, Minnesota's wide receivers dropped 25 passes last year. 25 passes. So if you account for adjusted uh, completion rate, his was 8.5% better than Gavin's. That's a lot. So I yeah. think that, yes, going into the spring, going to this competition, on paper... Kalik Menace probably has the edge. And it's more than just the completion rate too, Pat. I think it's just, it's what this offense is not doing. And I, I just get that sense that there are page upon page upon page. And we're not talking like the back pages of a playbook where all the fancy stuff is. I'm talking like over the middle throws. We're just talking about stuff that, you know, you, you're just not seeing from this offense because uh, quite fairly, I think Greg Schiano recognized at a certain point that he was going to have to play conservatively and and limit the mistakes from his quarterback, and that meant taking taking things out, which we're we're, we're putting the ball in danger. And I, I just I just wonder what we haven't seen from the Shiraka offense because they're they were scared to death of of, of an overthrow of turning the ball over. It's a really good point. Uh, I'm I'm really intrigued to see that as well because we've seen Shiraka have explosive offenses. We've seen them develop run first offenses. We've seen them mix it up here and there with both of those. So uh, my end of the day philosophy on, on watching Shiraka's offense and understanding him as a play caller is always comes back to dealing with whatever personnel he has. And we know next year, of course, Kamenunga is going to be back. The running game is going to be just as good. Uh, so that's still going to be the focus. It's going to be that same. Can we convert third and short and third and mediums? And that, to me, was what was really lacking on this throughout the season was like, all right, we're, we're ahead of the chains on first and second down, but we're not converting on third and sh third and medium. That's a huge problem. And we gave Rutgers a lot of praise when they sustained these long drives that ate up the clock. And I think that's really what plays ultimately best for Rutgers. If you're playing a def if, you if you're a defensive oriented team, you play special teams well, you want these and an offense that can just chew clock move the chains. I don't think it's going to ever be a quick striking offense in the big 10, but it could be one that complements its defense. And I think to do that, you have to have a quarterback that's accurate and be able to move the chains on third down. Just to add to that, Rutgers ran the ball a lot this year, 60% of the time. Under Schrock in 2022 with Kalik Manis and Mohamed Ibrahim, they ran the ball 66% of the time. <laughs> Two out of every three plays was a run. I think that's probably more likely to be like that next year than to be their less running if that makes sense sure yeah well i'm just, and they were I, they were good they're better teams really so they had some leads to protect as well i mean they ran the ball against rutgers uh even even a higher percentage than that of i'm guessing if i remember correctly you're saying All we right. might be more of that indiana game script that we saw this year with 80 yeah. percent running the ball 
Right. Yes, but this time it would be Kyle Manungai running the ball 40 times and Kelly McManus running it five times probably. he's uh, They use him in the run game a lot less. Uh, I do think he's pretty efficient as a runner after looking into it, but they I don't think they'll trust him to run the ball if it is him as often as they did Gavin Wimson. So are we looking at the two quarterback system? I mean, you're watching if you're watching the national semifinals, watching the Rose Bowl last night, Michigan ran two quarterbacks. I mean, not not a lot, but certainly uh, gave a kind of change of pace look in there a, a bunch of times. I mean, Rutgers has done it in the past. It wouldn't be the first time, uh, sometimes out of necessity, but I wonder if that's where we're headed. If we're looking at it where this is going to be, we're going to play both quarterbacks or we're going to, you know, if, if he's not going to come out and say in late August, you know, Ethan's the guy, or if, if we're looking at a situation where we're going to see two quarterbacks. The nightmares of the 2022 season just sent a shudder down my spine. <laughs> I've seen Johnny Langan come out as the starting quarterback against Boston College. Um, three quarterbacks in the first three plays, right? What, something like that? I yes, yes. I do think that we're more, I don't know if we're going to run it. I don't know if it's going to be a two quarterback system, but I think if there is struggles from either quarterback, whoever wins the job, there's going to be less margin for error. You know, like Gavin Wimsett had a long leash to work with, right? Evan Simon was never really threatening to take the job. This way, I think if you have two quarterbacks of a similar level, there's a lot of pressure that if you don't play well, the next guy is right on the edge of coming in. Do we, Pat, if you have to guess right now, Will we have Gavin Wimson on the ra- on this roster to talk about next year? Do you think he makes it through spring ball? The portal opens up again. There's going to yeah. be more movement in college football. We know that that's part of what happens here. You know, I he, he certainly sounds committed. Brian talked to him before the pinstripe ball. After the pinstripe ball, he sounded committed, but it's a different situation now. Yeah, I think uh, I can't imagine from his perspective wanting to be a backup quarterback after all the experience and plays that he's been through i just i would have a hard time believing he'd be content sitting behind another player which would make me believe that if he were to lose the job in spring ball or have an opportunity to transfer after that maybe that's possible so i i don't know i have to see it uh, you know you have to evaluate who's who's ahead in the competition but i, I don't foresee either one of them wanting to really accept a backup role at this point in their careers. And where is he going to go? That's the other part of it, I guess. Yeah. That's that's a big question. Um, all right. Well, so, wait, wait, hold on. Just, 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 just to uh, remove the fantasy here. They're not going to name a starting quarterback until August 31st against Howard, right? Like, <laughs> No, they're not going to name a starting quarterback until he trots out in the field yeah, for that game. Forget the, even before that game. Yeah, it's yes. Be- and I, I mean that in like a tactical sense, right? Like even if someone clearly wins the job in the spring, why would you announce the the or the decision before that right. when you give the kid a chance to leave, right? But he'll As, know. They'll, they'll know if someone if someone's head and shoulders better, that it will be, they don't have to announce it. I mean, I, I think that the coaching staff could protect itself by not officially naming anybody internally until after the April 30th window closes or whatever. And I, I think that's what they're going to do because that's what every program does. Ohio State did that, I'm pretty sure, with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Like, you don't want to hurt yourself. And as much as that stinks for an individual player, I think, right? But I think that's the right thing to do for the program. So I I would be shocked, sh- like absolutely shocked if we know who the starting quarterback is for Rutgers before the first nap of the Howard game. All right. What does this mean for the portal from here? Uh, obviously, I just I saw they lost a, a big target to Syracuse. Whoa. Um, who? Def- defensive lineman. Who are we talking about? To talk about? With a team that doesn't matter and is it going to make an impact? Took a player that Rutgers wanted? What? Fran Brown? What? Oh, who would have thought this was possible? All right. I'm done. You're done? 
You sure? Okay. Um, but I mean, what what else is coming? Do we have any? We have any ideas? Any names? Any positions? Tight end you mentioned before. That's certainly got to be one. Uh, what else? The players can start visiting campus beginning tomorrow, Wednesday, January third. Uh, that's when the dead period ends. Uh, they are expected to have visitors, at least one visitor. And there are multiple positions they have to target. Defensive tackle is the glaring one. They've been fighting for a lot of guys. They've lost a guy to Illinois. They've lost a guy to Syracuse, as we just mentioned. Um, so that's the big area. You're losing Isaiah Eaton. You're losing Mayan Hanatu. Uh, and while you have guys like Keontae Hamilton and Zaire Angoy, who you probably feel good about, you want an experienced, proven guy to fill in kind of the way that Eaton did, the way Ifan Maijay did. That's really, I think, to me, that's the biggest target they're at after right now and and then off is it then tight end and offensive offensive line i mean i have to imagine that's the line still a target yeah i i would think so uh while they bring back enough guys clearly they're they're losing curtis denlap at guard he's he was a very experienced starter and uh while the core is still there on the offensive line you certainly want to target maybe one or two more players um no question so I think offensive lines a good one and tight end is certainly the big question mark for sure too. Although there are some young developmental players that could use an opportunity to really to step up. I mean, Mike Higgins is one. Uh, Vic- Victor Kanopka is another. So yeah, I, I, I think tight, tight end offensive line, defensive tackle are the three priorities, but Rutgers is probably a little bit better off on the offensive line and a tight end than defensive tackle at this point. In the think, other direction, it seems like we got through the portal without losing anybody, or like without without them really getting a, a big name or or people that we were surprised to see leave. Any edge case that could have gone either way stayed at Rutgers. I think yeah. it's a huge victory. The portal closed. They, they made it out pretty much unscathed. I think they can breathe a sigh of relief until the April window, which is really reserved for kids who see the writing on the wall in spring camp and say, "I'm going to go try to play somewhere else." So I, I think they're in great shape in the portal as long as they can add, again, defensive tackle, offensive lineman. I think tight end is a huge need because, yes, they have those young guys, but they've played a combined 30 snaps last year at tight end, something to that effect. Like Victor Canopica is going to be on his fourth or fifth year. I just think that experiment is done. I think Mike Higgins has a long way to go. Logan Blake, the true freshman from this year who barely played or didn't play, I don't think, has a long way to go. You need a guy to replace Johnny Langan and Sean Bowman and, uh, frankly, Play better than they did last year. So I, I would think, and th- that's a hard position in the portal to target. There are only so many good tight ends out there. Uh, but I do think that if I'm Rutgers, defensive tackle is priority number one, tight end is priority number two, and the second wide receiver to join Damir Miller is probably priority number three. All right, good stuff. Let's uh, let's do true or false because there's some basketball topics in here and it'll be a good jump, jumping off point to uh, to talk some hoops because, I mean, holy cow, pick 10 conference play. This is basketball season, folks. Sort of. We need to talk about that. So let's do it. All right. Uh, this is true or false. We've already addressed, but let's do it anyway. True or false. Ga- uh, Gavin Wimsett will be on the roster for the 2024 season. What's your prediction on that one, Pat? True or false? I think true. I yeah. Definitely. This one. Yeah. Pat, I'm sorry, uh, Brian. I think true. I do like thinking about this now. Uh, quarterback in the portal in April is pretty valuable. So maybe if the writing is on the wall, but I just think that they've done a good enough job communicating with him. And I think the race will be close enough in the spring that he wants to give it a shot in training camp. So true. Yeah. I'm going to go true as well. He's a confident kid 
and they have. I've, from everything I've understood, they've explained this to him, and and they're not wrong that they need competition here, and that he did not have a year that would be uh, that you would not expect to have someone else pressing him for for the job. So I, I agree, he'll be on the roster, or at least <laughs> at least in January second. That's my opinion. Uh, all right. Uh, true or false? Expect two at least two more big portal additions. Pat, you think they're going to get someone uh, before the season that that's going to make an impact? Yeah, I do, and I, I think the last couple of seasons they've added some nice pieces later than we expected too. So I think they'll follow that trend at, at least fill some needs. Not saying that they'll be flashy names, but they'll they'll be serviceable veteran players that have experience. Brian, you agree? Completely agree with Pat. True. Uh, yeah, I think so. True. Although I tell you, I'm getting <laughs> getting a little bit more. Anybody who doubted the the reporting in Sarge's nil story should rethink that perspective. I'm just getting a little bit more. Every time I see someone who they want go someplace before they even get a shot at them, it makes you think that eh, maybe not. But for now, I'm going to say true. Uh, all right, true or false? Rutgers should be rooting for Washington in the Natty. Pat. True is false. Phrased because Michigan is full of cheaters. <laughs> Whatever you want, you can make it anything you want. That's the good part about this. I I, I I feel like yeah. I feel because they're playing them next year. Sure, absolutely, they should be rooting for Washington. Although either way, you're getting a, a Big Ten winner. So, Brian, do they care? It depends what you want. If you want to say the defending national champion is coming to Piscataway next year. You want Washington yeah. to win. If you want to have a screenshot where you could post Rutgers 7, National Champion Michigan 0, and have that as your Twitter po- banner or whatever, then you want Michigan to win. I think either way, it's a, there's a way to positively spin it for Rutgers. And I personally am so excited for this game. Yesterday's games were awesome. Uh, we're getting some new blood in the championship. Washington hasn't won it since the 90s. Michigan hasn't won it since the 90s. Thank goodness Alabama's not going to win it. And we got a new fresh face and a fam- long-suffering fan base that finally gets to enjoy a new national champion. Yeah, I agree totally. It was a lot of fun. And watching it from the perspective of watching Michael Penix Jr., who I voted for the Heisman. Thank you. You can, America. He, he was the best player in college football. He looked really good. And just watching some of those passes, those long passes, the beautiful ball he throws, just the way that he changed that team. Uh, and I get granted, he's not going to be here next year when they, when they come to Piscataway. I get it, but there's still a lot of talent on the team. The idea that the, uh, the, I get it. It's not Ohio State, and it's a different it's a different opponent. But um, it's still it's still their toughest uh, toughest game in the schedule next year. I think. All right, let's do some basketball. True or false? The Big Ten will get less than eight teams in the NCAA tournament. Pat, what do you think? Wow. Yeah. Just based on the way things have looked, it's not looking good for the Big Ten. So, I think true. I think it's under. Brian. I'm with you. True. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? Man, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's it's hard to come up with. It's hard to come up with eight, certainly seven, maybe. All right. True or false. The big ten. Oh, sorry. Rutgers will win less than eight Big Ten games. Pat, is Rutgers going to win less than eight Big Ten games? Seven, seven and thirteen, six and fourteen. Yikes. Uh Yikes. considering we've gotten through this long without talking about the stone hill near disaster i mean my goodness maybe this is a bit reactionary but uh, brian sent them sent me this earlier andy katz has Rutgers predicted to be last in the big 10 standings so 
uh, if you lost Andy Katz, you lost me too. So I'm going to say, uh, say we'll win less than eight games. Brian? It's such a low number, but I think true, right? Like I, I, I just don't see the path to, to winning. Like the Big Ten is not great, but a majority of the teams are good. Right, like, are there any teams that are automatic wins? And even if we're gonna start, if we start getting to that conversation, obviously the automatic win, automatic win of last year did, was the reason Rutgers didn't make it into the tournament, right? So yeah. I don't know if there are any automatic wins in the Big Ten, but um, I just don't. I, and I'm trying not to, again, to Pat's point, not trying to have recency bias here. I think Rutgers is not as bad as they looked against Stonehill. That was one of the worst performances they've had maybe the century. It was they they frankly deserved to lose that game, and they should be feel very fortunate they didn't. I just don't see. I don't see eight wins on the schedule. I don't. So I will say they will not win eight games. Right now, right now I'm with you. And it, it's, it's, it just doesn't, doesn't look like a, a team that's ready for the big 10. Certainly. Let me tell my funny Stonehill story. So uh, it's Saturday. I got a day off and doing the crossword puzzle. Forgot that they were playing. You know, you see Stonehill on the schedule. I couldn't tell you where Stonehill was from. Like I had nothing, I knew nothing about Stonehill. I get suddenly I'm, I look up from I get a buzz in my pocket. Look at my phone. It's just an email, and all the email says was is this is a disaster. This the entire text of the email, no context, no su- no subject line. Just this is a disaster, and I'm like, uh oh, Rutgers Stonehill. <laughs> Go to the television. Three minutes left, so I didn't see the entire game, Brian. I I, I certainly filled in pretty quickly what happened. I mean, what was the big take? Was it just is it, it's simple as bad shooting? Were they just not ready energe- and energy-wise? I mean, w- what was the problem? Look, everyone points to energy when something like this happens, and I think it's fair. I- I'm not going to judge the effort level of the players because I don't know. Like, that's not for me to stand here. But what I could tell you is this. The same issues that have been recurring every game, almost every game this season, came coming back. They were getting destroyed on the boards early. They let Stonehill was like one of the 50 worst offensive rebounding teams in the country. And they were missing two starters and they just became a division one team last year. And they rebounded 10 of their first 16 misses. Jeez. Rutgers is a bottom 60 team shooting on twos on threes on effective field goal percentage. They're not a great free throw shooting team. They can't score and they don't rebound well enough defensively. So they give opponents a lot of second chance opportunities. And they don't defend as well as a vintage Rutgers Steve Peichel team does. So you combine all of those things and you're susceptible to a night like that. People got a little excited about the Seton Hall game because they shot 12 of 24 on threes, but that was clearly an exception to the rule. This is not a good shooting team. Andre Hyde is the only guy that's shooting, I believe, better than 31% on threes on this roster. That's it. Gavin Griffiths, your star freshman who's supposed to come in as with his reputation as a shooter, is shooting something like 20%. That's not entirely his fault. There's no offense being run to give him open looks and to help him out. Uh, it's just all the offseason issues, the way this roster was constructed, it was clearly fa- like there's clearly flawed. And now that's kind of just coming out in these results. And I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a solution here is, is my point. I just don't know if this is kind of what they are. Yeah. It feels like this is this this is this is uh all from the spring, right? And and it's it comes back to what happened, losing Paul okay, losing Cam Spencer, being ill prepared to pay those guys essentially <laughs> that's what it came down to they were pl- they were easy to pluck off the roster and people in the Rutgers universe kind of 
was dismissive about it, like, oh, well, we'll, we'll replace those guys. And they convinced themselves because of, uh, you know, optimistic practice reports that they'd be better offensively, that be, they'd be more, more up-tempo, all the stuff that was just nonsense. They, 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 they took two really good Big Ten quality starters and did not replace them. They don't, I don't know if they have a Big Ten starting backcourt. I mean, someone said to me, like, well, you can't really look at the Stonehill up because they didn't have Jermichael Davis. I mean, we got to a point already where <laughs> like 10 – 12 games into his career, we're counting on Jermichael Davis. Like, I don't think they anybody in, in their right mind thought he was going to be an important player heading into this year. It's just, it's just, it just speaks a lot to uh, uh, the way this team's constructed. And I, I, I come back to it. I hope the team proves me wrong and shows to me that it, it does have a Big Ten caliber backcourt. But right now, I don't feel that way, and I, it, it's just a lesson that I. I Hope Steve Peichel, I hope the Rutgers community learned about about protecting your assets from from a basketball standpoint. That I don't know. I mean, am I, am I overreacting to? It? Is it too much? You think? I think you're 100 right about the backcourt. What about the frontcourt, man? Like Cliff Amore was supposed to be your your ace, and yeah, he's just really been flat and a little bit of a disappointment. So I think you added it all up. Brian talked about the issues. You're you're you've certainly brought up a great point about the the guards and. It's just uh, a little bit of right. A, a problem is something that exists over and over again. And Brian did a great job highlighting highlighting all that. So I don't think you're overreacting. I, I think you're spot on. This is just you know a problem that it, it just keeps happening. So a lot of repetition there. So just the, yeah. the Jim Michael Davis thing because I've heard the same thing. Have people looked at his stats? Have people like looked at like you'd think Jim Michael Davis was like Cade Cunningham in 2021? Like he's not even one of the better freshmen in the like he's one of the worst offensive freshmen in the Big Ten. Like, what do they think he's gonna do? Jim Michael right. Davis is not there's always some mythical savior out there, you know. Like, this isn't the same situation as Mawat Mag last year, who clearly made a humongous impact on that team, right? This is Jim Michael Davis is an under-the-radar three-star kid who is in no in no world should he be seen as the savior of the program. I'm not sure if Jamichael Davis played that they'd be any better against Stonehill. I just think I think it's totally unfair to put that on Jermichael Davis because when he comes, whenever he does come back from injury, people shouldn't expect him to be a guy that's going to be scoring 15 points a game because that's not where he is. He's not ready to do that. So what has to happen for them to to win these to win these games? I mean, Iowa's no good. Iowa State's got a good backcourt. They, I mean, I think I would expect them to win that game. Iowa, uh, more of a borderline. Possibility is a tough place to win on the road. I mean, what has to happen in these next two? Is it is it as simple as Derek Simpson finding his game? Is it, I mean, is it Andre Hyatt shooting the lights out? I mean, what's the formula for this team? Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Night's game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. Formula is hoping that the Big Ten refs remember the game in Columbus last year and how they robbed Rutgers of a win and try to make up for it by calling every ticky-tack foul and fouling out three Ohio State players at the under-16 timeout and giving Rutgers 70 free throws. 
that's to me the most realistic path. Uh, or hoping that uh, you find your three-point shooting stroke like you had against Seton Hall and you knock down some threes. You, you have to hope that everyone plays above their level and things kind of work out. But Rutgers has never won at Ohio State. Rutgers, Is that right? Never? They have never won at Ohio State. And I don't want to hear this nonsense of anyone trying to say they won last year. They didn't. I, I, I don't care that it was, you know, even the Big Ten admitted that the call was wrong, but they didn't win. Okay, let's stop this nonsense. Rutgers did not win Ohio State, and Rutgers did not play in the 2019-2020 NCAA tournament because it didn't happen. Just want to get out in front of those takes. Okay, I hate I hate when people say that stuff. It bothers the heck out of me. So I just want to get You're some mid-season stuff. form here. We just oh, start. It, it kills just me. It kills me. I, mid-season I already, form. I already hear people talking about, oh, we won in Ohio State last year. No, they did not. Okay, I empathize. I feel bad. They should have won if the Big Ten refs did not screw them. Totally agreed, but they did not win. Anyway, this is Fonzie Forum speaking, right? This, this is, is it. A, this, this is, is like a, the. I mean, this is practically Pe- Pele versus uh, what's his face, the other guy that Fonz, that Fonzie thinks is better at soccer. You know, I can't come up with his name. I can never come up with his name. Anyway, yeah, no, this is good. This is fi- this is fiery stuff. Yeah, did you guys watch that Ohio State West Virginia basketball game it's a couple of days ago? It was crazy. Like. Ohio State just had to make a couple of free throws in overtime to win it and just missed every single one, let West Virginia back in the game. It was it was crazy, uh, but I wasn't that impressed. Uh, I think it's a perfect opportunity for Rutgers, really. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I haven't been impressed yet. I have not seen a single a single Big Ten team I have been impressed with. I mean, maybe Illinois, but then Illinois lost the best, pl- best player now on a rate charge, which is – just an absolute disaster in itself. We don't need to talk about that. That's not it's not a uh, Rutgers problem, fortunately. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's only three ranked teams. Purdue, Purdue, I, yeah, of course, they're they're the other than Purdue. Can you give me one team that you're like, you know, this is this is a Final Four potential team? I I can't. I thought you were going to forget about Purdue. I really was. I was like, this guy. No, I thought I just I just assumed you. I. The number one in the country, I think. Well, everyone, everyone talks down on Purdue. I wasn't sure if you were joining the Zach. No. He's just good because he's tall crowd. I I think they are the favorites, probably the favorites to win. Well, the, one of the five teams that are favorite to win the national championship, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, other than them, they're clearly on a level of their own in the Big Ten. Illinois was close before Taryn Shannon uh, was charged with a despicable crime, obviously, and um, everyone else is kind of middling. The, the thing is, though, like, there's no. There, again, there there are maybe two or three bad teams, but everyone else is kind of middling. Like it's typical Big Ten where you have a bunch of teams that are going to be good at home. Wisconsin's okay, you know. Like Wisconsin's okay. The bad teams: Michigan, six and seven. <laughs> I mean, without looking at the schedule, that's still bad. Penn State, bad. 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 Maryland kind of rebounded there. They have a nice win. Eight bad. at home. They're bad. Bad. Okay. They're, they're going to get demolished by Purdue tonight. Is is Iowa bad? I was not as good as usual. Michigan State's not bad. They're they're, they're zero two in the conference. They're bad though. Michigan State, straight. yeah. Michigan State people are, people are talking about whether they'll make the tournament or not. Right, but are they a bad team? We didn't say they're bad. Bad's different than off to a slow start. Bad by Michigan State standards. Okay, all right. So that you just you just rattle off six or seven bad teams. Minnesota, we didn't mention, didn't mention Minnesota. They're not good, right? Right, but again, what, what we need to account for here is that Rutgers is one of those bad teams. At the moment, yes. And for Andy Katz, I mean, I saw that. Like, I was like, whoa, that's bad news. When Andy, and he, if you didn't see this on Twitter, he was picking, ranking the 14 teams in the Big Ten. 
had broke records rock bottom. The man who was driving the bus just last year. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a stunner. It's a stunner. That's all I can say. Pat yeah. Lanny's good friend. <laughs> Andy Katz. Uh, what yeah. do you make of that? Wow. Yeah, it was I was it was startling. It was startling. Just shows you all these all the media hype, right? Just shows you uh those in the media, they giveth and they taketh away. Right, before we move on to the to questions, we need to mention the fact that the biggest moment at the rack might be Friday night when Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes come to Piscataway, sold out crowd. I hear the media credentialing situation is rough. We'll have three people there uh, to cover it. And yeah, I mean, if you if you watch even a little bit of sports, forget women's sports, watch any sports, you just know that she is an incredible player. Her matchup, you know, in the, in the final four last year was just a phenomenal moment against LSU for, for the sport. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. You know, I know this is not a great Rutgers team, but it seems like she has yet to fail to put on a show in any of her games. She's a high octane scorer, performer. You watch her workout videos; they're inspiring. Like she's she's all in. Like she's a fantastic story. You know, you think about like young girls idolizing women's soccer players and the you know the U.S. women's national right. team. It's almost become that phenomena of Caitlin Clark as well. Young girls want to be like Caitlin Clark, and I sure. think there's going to be a lot of that on Friday night. Uh, she, she's an Alex Morgan kind of uh, Carly Lloyd, Mia Hamm kind of figure. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's really interesting. I'm excited to be there too. It should be. So I came up with like two ideas I wanted to do leading up to this game. One was like the best basketball players that have ever played against Rutgers at the rack. The other one was like the other looking back at the all the sellouts for women's basketball at the rack. And it took all about 10 minutes of research to find out every single one is university of Connecticut. So (laughs) it's a little bit of a spoiler, but, uh, yeah, it should be another uh, interesting night for for women's basketball, for sure. All right. Well, we certainly will recap that next week. Looking forward to being there. I will be there as well. Yeah, I mean, she's just fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I hope that uh, the rack has the same kind of atmosphere it does for for some of the bigger men's games. And I remember it was, I mean, that was fun those days. You got, I was at some of those, I was at some of those sellouts when, when Rutgers was playing UConn and it was, you know, when C-Viv having had it going and Kathy Pondexter was playing and, you know, it was like a real rivalry between her, her team and Gino's team. This is before Gino pulled to the next level and Rutgers slipped back several, many notches, uh, but it was fun. Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, it was event. It was an event uh, when those two teams played. So hopefully we'll have something that will resemble that level of excitement. All right, let's do some insider questions. Uh, i got a bunch of them, uh, most of them related to Aliak mania here. All right, so I'm interested in the why from an Ethan Caligmanis perspective. Why did he want out of Minnesota? Was he seeking more NIL money or he wanted it back from Kirk? something else and this is a good point of it too and it's it's we don't have the answer but it's an interesting discussion also what do we know about what he'll be getting in nil and is it more or less than gavin's deal and the the, fo- the follow-up question if gavin's no longer the starter do the nal contracts change um this is great stuff i don't we don't know the answer but it is fascinating i mean certainly we have to imagine that uh there was there was some level where you know, as a starting quarterback in the Big Ten, Gavin Wimsett was making a fair amount in NAL, probably probably more than most players in the team, if not more than all the players in the team. What happens if he's the backup? I have no idea. Uh, we have not heard any indication that that's why Kelly, why he's coming here. You guys have any insight into this at all? Or are we just kind of talking out of our you-know-whats? 
Well, there's a report from, I believe, the Pioneer Press that said P.J. Fleck, in a meeting with his quarterbacks after the season, would not guarantee Calic Mattis was going to retain the starting job. There, there would be competition. So I have to imagine that part of that, and his father on Twitter denied the fact that a mythical transfer portal quarterback was the reason they decided to cut ties with the program. But I do think the fact that his spot was not guaranteed was part of the calculus and then wanting to reunite with the offensive coordinator that he had most success under was a big part of that. I, again, I am talking out of my, you know what, I don't know much about this, but I reckon that a most contracts are year by year basis. I don't think Gavin Wimsett signed a you know lifetime contract with any of the NIL people that are sponsoring him. And two, I don't think Ethan Kalik Mendes came to Rutgers for, more NIL money than he was making at Minnesota or anything like that, right? Like we discussed ad nauseum how Rutgers does not have the money to compete for top tier quarterbacks in the portal for NIL. I, I, I don't think one, Kalik uh, Manis demands that much money in the first place. And I do think that other factors are more important to him than NIL money. Speaking out of, again, my, you know what, I could be completely wrong, but that is my sense of the situation. I would generally agree with you there. It seemed like he, he's seeking, uh, a, a rebirth of his career, a new opportunity wants to go somewhere where he feels welcomed and familiar with the play caller. I think this was more of a recruiting aspect than an NIL aspect and a kid thinking about what's best for him, not necessarily what's best for his pocket. A lot of questions about his talent level. Is it me or are they just bringing in a transfer quarterback who is as average as Gavin statistically? I'm glad I'm there's competition, but what am I missing here? Uh, let's assume that he is average. Isn't that a huge improvement? Just a lot of questions about whether or not uh, we covered some of this here, but I guess what what does he have to do for this to be a step up that is makes that makes a major difference in your mind? Uh, yeah, he needs to be average. That sounds about right to me. If yeah. average quarterback play for Rutgers might have helped them win against Wisconsin. Uh, would have given them a better shot against Ohio State. Um, I think like not being the least accurate quarterback in college football would be a major step forward. Um, and I think I think he could deliver that. But again, you don't know until obviously you're in it. This is a fun one. Who has better uh, gyros? Gyros? How are we how are we pronouncing it? What's the what's the correct Mister uh, Mister has a Greek has a Greek accent when he says the the player's name? What's what's the correct pronunciation here? Pretty sure it's Hito. Like Hito. 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 Well, Hito. That, I think that's not I, even one. I'm not Greek. I don't know. I, had. Okay. I don't think it's Gyro. I think that's wrong. It's but. not Gyro. 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 Hero. Hero. Gyro. Who has the better Gyros? Mr. C or Sunrise? You have to be a RU student from the late 80s, early 90s to appreciate that Greek question. Ask it on the podcast, and I guarantee you'll get a lot of great reaction. I do not know the answer. I don't think Pat. Was, were either of these places open when you were on campus? No. No? No. I don't know. Do they have gyros? Is it like a gyro at the at the at the, the trucks? Like a fat gyro? Do they do that? They should do it. I don't think so. I don't think so. So uh, many NIL opportunities yeah. here that they're missing. Yeah. No. I don't but all right. Well, if you have an answer, please text us back and uh we'll come back and come up with the answer if enough people uh, submit to that question. All right, a few more. Um, too early to handicap the 2024 schedule? While there's no Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, as of now, I see only four games when they would be favored. Oh. Uh, as always, thanks, and Happy New Year. A four, I'm assuming you're talking about the Big Ten slate? I think there'd be more than four. I mean, Akron, Howard, certainly. 
You can make a case for Virginia Tech, although on the road, that could be tough. Uh, be certainly pick them or close to it. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think? Is the Big Ten schedule? I mean, the, the I wrote in, at the Pinstripe Bowl, the, the, the teams on the schedule for Rutgers did really well in the bowl season. Yeah, I think uh sounds sounds about right if you're talking about the Big Ten schedule. I, I think four is like a a really good really good goal, uh, right? That would get you to like say you swept the non-conference, you know, four you're 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 in you're improving on this year. I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. You know, it's amazing when we looked at the schedule when it first came out and how we were our jaws dropped at the level of competition. It's seemingly gotten better uh, throughout the season and, and uh, the way these teams ended. Certainly uh, USC had a different element at the end of the year, even without Caleb Williams. Washington's still going to be amazing. Obviously they retained all their players for this amazing run. It'll be really interesting to see how they retain talent for next year too. It's, it's going to be incredible. So yeah, I, I think, I think that's a good number. I, I think that's a, a pretty spot on assessment. It could be favored, not favored, certainly the four easiest games, as I see it, are the last four. I mean, Minnesota, Maryland, Illinois, and then Michigan State. So, I mean, there's there's certainly you would think Michigan State would be improved. Uh, Maryland has curb stomped them the last couple of years. Maryland was the surprise bowl winner, like the surprise yeah. champion bowl season, too. The way they came out and played without Talia was incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Minnesota will be better. I mean, yeah, Illinois did not make a bowl. So you'd think a home game against Illinois, that would be the most certain a Big Ten win. Uh, Brian, what do you think? I think it's way too early to tell anything. And I think using bowl results to project anything into the fall is fool's gold uh, or uh, fool's errand or however you say that. Um, I'm full of messed up metaphors today, but I think it's too early. I think like some games that might seem easy, like Nebraska, is a perennial loser of one score games playing them on the road. Isn't going to be easy. UCLA is in a tough spot with Chip Kelly on the hot, hottest hot seat possible, but you know, are you going to be able to, to beat them at home? Like um, USC doesn't look as good after they had a tough year, but they're USC, they're full of talent. You're going cross country. Um, Michigan state seems like a pretty simple team. They're going to have a five-star quarterback and probably a lot better players through the portal with their first year coach and a better coaching staff. Right. So I don't know. I think the only W's I would pencil in right now are Akron and Howard. Everything else got to kind of uh, Rutgers went probably like undefeated in 50, 50 games this year. Right. There was no 50, 50 game. They lost from what I can remember. Oh, Iowa was a, at, at the kickoff. Iowa was a, what is it? What was the line of that game? Two points. I get yeah. it. You would, you would say that it's not a 50, 50 game, but certainly uh, Vegas thought it was. I would, not, I would not list that as 50-50. And Maryland... Who was the one in the Maryland game? No, that, that's probably a fair call. Um, mm-hmm. But everything else, like Rutgers right. won most games they had a chance to, but wasn't certain. Are we sure they can do that two years in a row? Like at some point, the ball is going to bounce the wrong way. Right. We'll see. But I do think they have a chance of, you know, I think you, you have a chance of going seven and five, eight and four. If everything breaks well, this year, that was probably too much to ask for, so... Yeah, I'm not looking at this schedule next year like I do most years, though, and say, "Oh, there's four losses. Let's look at the other. Let's look at the other eight games and see where they can get six wins." I mean, I, I do think that's a, that's a little bit of difference, and I get it. Yeah, 
Washington. All right. If you want to make, if you want to say Washington is your new Penn state or Michigan on this schedule, that's fine. Um, but I don't certainly don't think UCLA or USC or on by any stretch of the imagination at the same level as the teams that they played at, or for that matter, if it was Oregon, you know, I don't think it's at the same level as the teams they played in the past. Um, the final four games. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure Michigan state's could be better, but they were not good. Uh, Maryland's gosh. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the floor I still is raised. That's the moral of the story. The floor right? is raised. Exactly. Very true. All right. Moving on. See if we've got anything else here we want to talk about. How much can coaches give to NIL? Dave from Basky Ridge asks. I like giving you guys questions that I'm almost certain we don't know the answer to. But it's a good one. I mean, if Greg Shiano had got a new $6 million contract, could he put a, could he donate a million of it to the collective? Is that allowed? Not a dime. Not a, not a dime. dime. As Jim Calhoun said, not a dime back. If you could, Nick Saban would take $9 million of his $10 million and buy his entire roster. Not this a dime back. Yeah, it's fair. Good point. At that at that point, wouldn't the schools just pay the players instead of the coaches? Well, that's where we're headed. Yeah. I mean, of course. I'm just saying that seems like a much more logical conclusion than circum, you know, giving the, the money the co- money to the coach and then asking the coach to pay the players. Just pay the players. Could the coach donate it to a charity, like to write a check to a charity, like you know, if John Newman suddenly had a, you know, a UNICEF box and he's not going to give a million dollars to this nice man who can then give it. I mean, why not? You could probably get around it, right? You mean how SEC schools used to give $500,000 <laughs> to the local church of a random recruit? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's all cheating. I'm just having fun here. Good question, though. Yeah. All right. I think that covers most of the questions we have. Uh, there were, again, like I said, so many questions, but they're all very similar about the new quarterback and look, hey, we've got, you know, it's still eight months to figure this out. We've got to get him on campus. We've got to see spring practice. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue about this team, you know. But, I mean, I think as 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 we've talked about a million times, it is a good thing to have competition in this program. And and, and Rutgers needed it. That's the situation we're in now. Um, big picture question I'm not sure we've talked about. Do you guys think Rutgers is in a better position today than it was yesterday at the quarterback position? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, without nope. question. No question. How do you? How do would you? How would you answer that? No. Could you answer that? No. They got exactly what they needed. They needed competition, and that's exactly what they got. They weren't going out and getting the guy yeah. from Oregon State or whatever. Uh, I think this was exactly what Rutgers needed. It's perfect situation. Definitely better today than yesterday. No question. Yeah. Once you assume they couldn't Kyle McCord it or couldn't, you know, couldn't couldn't go out and pay whatever uh, the going prices for a top level portal quarterback then yes i think this was the best case scenario absolutely i agree i just wanted to bring it up to make sure because we talked a lot about like is he that much better than gavin but i wanted to make clear that we think that yes they are in a better spot now and i agree with pat this is of all they could realistically done this is the best case scenario i agree all right what else we got pat we got some wrestling 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 up rider rivalry dylan shaver was a silver medalist at the midlands lost in the final but it was a very nice showing for him. Rutgers took a limited team out there, so so they could only enter six guys in the tournament. They you know they picked some guys that needed some reps and and things like that. So one of the highlights was Shawver getting that second place, no question. And then this weekend things start to get busy. Uh, we're in the new year, and then the Big Tens are a week away. The Big Ten duels are a week away. So we start off this weekend with Penn. Uh, that's a top twenty-five matchup, and then a rivalry match against Ryder on Sunday. So. You're looking for some dual action. Uh, the pen match is in Philadelphia, but the rider match is at home. So things are about to get busy and uh and and fun and interesting. There are some really good matches on the schedule. So 
will be covering it. Are they going to win both those? Yeah, they should win both. Penn will be close. Uh, Ryder won't be as close, but Rutgers should definitely be favored in both. What's what's the wrestling record going to be in the Big Ten this year? Ten to your head. I think it's I think it's five hundred, <laughs> which which be sounds a, be, terrible. Be an sounds achievement, terrible. right? That'd be a good. That'd be it good. Sounds terrible, but that's that's very competitive considering you're wrestling five five of the best teams in the country. So, right. uh, yeah, I think five hundred would be a really good record for them. Excellent. All right. Uh, well, I guess we'll. Real quick, what else we got before? Paul Melton. Yeah. I don't know if you guys watched. I didn't watch the game. Oh yeah, Milton. that's a good point. That was a great day for Rutgers NFL players. Wow. Yeah, uh, Gus Edwards is a, I think top three in rushing touchdowns in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Isaiah Pacheco went viral for his running style again. People said he looked like he's a kid trying new shoes on at the store. Someone else looked like said every time he runs, he looks like he's in a cartoon. And I think those are all both very appropriate ways of describing the very unique. Um, Orthodox style he runs in. And then Bo Melton gets his first career NFL touchdown. He signs with the Green Bay Packers um, active roster. Um, very cool. Very cool weekend for Rutgers. Big day for Rutgers, as Bill Belichick likes to say. Um, and, you know, maybe they get another guy in the NFL, Max Melton, in a couple uh, months in the NFL draft. Things look pretty good for uh, the Knights in the NFL. I had uh, Gus Edwards on my fantasy team, left them on the bench in the championship game, and lost to Sarge by 50 points. So, Congratulations, Sarge, on the fantasy championship. I hate you. Okay. On that happy note, let's sign off, and we'll be back uh, early next week, and hopefully uh, we're not talking about a last-place basketball team in the Big Ten, and we have some, uh, something to look forward to for the rest of the month. But uh, until then, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.